0: What a powerful affirmation. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. God works in ways we cannot see. God will make a way. Powerful affirmation. And I would invite all of us to affirm that together. Pretend that you're a part of the choir right now. We're just one great choir in this place today. And repeat this affirmation after me. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. God works in ways we cannot see. God, works in ways we cannot see. God will make a way. What a beautiful affirmation, what a beautiful sound, and you are beautiful today, whether you've showered or shaved or not, whether your clothes match or not, you're beautiful because you are here and you are community, and there is power and love and grace when we come together. Oh, it's difficult to imagine that not that long ago, just over a week, we could uh, wake up and have so many choices before us. First thing in the morning, you could choose whether or not you want your AC turned up or your AC turned down. You could decide whether or not you wanted coffee at home or coffee at Starbucks. If you made the Starbucks choice, you could get into your car and drive whichever direction you would choose to drive with perfectly timed street lights everywhere you went (laughs) you could choose your route you could get there you could get to starbucks and then you could have medium roast or dark roast you could choose full fat cream or you can choose skinny you could have vanilla you could have cappuccino you could have it frapped you could have it on ice or have it steaming hot at your desired temperature so many choices later you could go home and you could decide what you wanted to watch on the 200 different stations offered by cable or satellite network. If you live in a home with four people, most likely you have four televisions and you could all choose to go to your own room to watch your preferred program. If you happen to pop in on my home, you'd find my housemate in his room watching the Home and Garden Channel or Project Runway. (laughs) And if you popped in on my room, I'd be watching the Astros or a football game or ESPN. Choices. So many choices. And yet, we have found that sometimes these choices end up isolating us. We find ourselves in our own separate rooms with our remote controls, going our own direction. One thing that Hurricane Ike has helped us to understand again is that so many of the choices in our life ultimately don't matter. Hurricane Ike has returned us to our essence. To our deepest value. To that place in the heart where faith resides and strength grows. After several days of no coffee, we've learned that we'll take our coffee any way we can get it. (laughs) And we've learned that sometimes love is someone saying, here, here's my other half of my cup of coffee. Go ahead and drink it if you don't mind my backwash. We've learned the importance of friendship and community and values, the very essence of our faith. We have learned what really, really matters. What matters? We've learned the very essence and the very core of where God leads us.
1: Trees are down in my yard. Limbs are scattered everywhere. Fallen leaves, not the uh, amber and crimson variety, are all over my driveway. The roof is missing some shingles, and water has to be boiled, lights that aren't burning, and the A.C. remains silent. And I'm thankful. Yes, I'm thankful. My family is safe. And to my knowledge, the people I love survived the storm. The lesson of Hurricane Ike, relationships matter, not things. To have friends and loved ones, to have them around you means
0: everything. What means everything? What means everything? Hurricane Ike has redefined that for many of us. And for just a moment in this place, in your own heart, identify what means everything to you. Or who means everything. And just in your own heart, name that. Think of that. And offer gratitude for that. What matters most? What really matters? What means everything?
2: I went to the grocery store at 6.30 this morning. Of course, most of the produce section was empty, yet I came across some lovely vine tomatoes. As I selected the ripest, it occurred to me that I never thought I'd be so happy to see tomatoes in my life, and that thought brought tears to my eyes. Then I realized that when we fast, we go without fruits, vegetables, or food of many kinds. And although we do so by choice, the sense of sacrifice is still there, along with the choice to mourn or to hope for the things that we miss. Maybe in this post-hurricane world, a world where some are devastated and some are spared, yet all experience some feeling of loss. There is a fasting lesson for us, which we are invited to find a way to embrace. If there is any good in living surrounded by disaster, perhaps it is in the ability to focus on the place in our soul where true faith resides.
0: Mm. That place in our soul where love lives, That place in our soul where relationships grow. That place in our soul where we find our true courage and strength and deepest joy that is not dependent on circumstances. That place in our soul that lives beyond all the choices that surround us on typical days. Sometimes, I think maybe it's better to not have so many choices. Because when we have too many choices, it's easy to begin to hinge our lives around those choices. And it's easy as a people and a faith community to begin to move to this place where we say, my choice is better than your choice. And we begin to stake everything on our preferences. We begin to say, my choice is better than your choice, and my way is better than your way. And we find ourselves losing the essence of community and soul and love. I find myself wondering, a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, will we once again be finding ourselves choosing sides Hinging ourselves on our preferences. Banking on things that don't truly matter. If that happens, it's natural for that to happen. And it was true for the early Christian community as well. The Scripture that was read to you today from Romans talks about how the early Christian community began to separate itself from each other because of people staking their lives not on faith, but on various choices. And Paul found himself heartbroken for a community that he saw dividing itself around things that didn't matter. In the Scripture today, there was really two groups of people. You could describe them as the regulators and the deregulators. The regulators believed that as part of your Christian faith, you needed to observe various dietary laws, That was part of the tradition they'd grown up with, so they felt that should carry over. And they also found themselves believing that you should regulate your lives around certain holy days. Another group in that early church said, Jesus Christ has come and so we now live in an age of deregulation. Those laws no longer matter. And they actually began to describe each other as the weak and the strong. Those who believed in deregulation were describing the others as weak because they had to depend on laws for their strength. And those who were described as weak found themselves saying to the others, you are not as principled in your faith as we are. You're not as serious about it. You're too loosey-goosey in your faith. And the sides begin to have this conflict what Paul began to teach was, you may believe the right thing, but you may believe it in the wrong way if your attitude towards your siblings is one of impatience and judgmentalism and separation. If you look at the Scripture today in that second paragraph about the third line, Paul lays it all on the line when he says it all comes down to this. We all belong to God. And that's what really matters. Quite honestly, Paul was more in the deregulation camp. His personal belief and conviction was you didn't have to observe these dietary laws and these certain holy days. He believed in this freedom in Christ. But he did not like how he saw those who believed that. He did not like how they were being treated by the others. And So he was coming back to this idea, there's one choice that really matters and that is your choose your choice to love god and love each other and to love each other in full strength and full dignity it really is so easy for us to separate along party lines when the reality is we are all called to a place called home right now in this political season it might be a good thing to get a bunch of democrats and a bunch of republicans and put them all in the same room and then turn off the air conditioning (laughs) and turn up the heat (laughs) and let all the republicans and democrats begin to sweat a little bit and they would all come to the same platform they would look each other in the eye and say you know something you may be a democrat and i may be a republican but we all stink Even in our day, there are these ways where we begin to take the simplicity and the essence of our faith and surround it with various regulations. There are a number of religions today, including Christian traditions, that continue to have various dietary restrictions. In the Catholic tradition, priests are still not allowed to be married. That kind of regulation. Many churches have regulations about GLBTQI people and who may serve and who may not serve, who may get married and not get married, who may be ordained and not ordained. There was an interfaith banquet and a rabbi was seated next to a Catholic priest. And when it came time to serve the food, it turned out they were serving ham. And of course, there was ham on the plate of the rabbi. And the Catholic priest sitting next to the rabbi noticed that she didn't make a big fuss about it. She didn't throw the plate up in the air or hiss or scream. She just kind of worked her way around that plate and didn't eat the ham. Well, the Catholic priest looked over and said, you know something, that is so outdated. I mean, come on, when that law was created, they didn't have the kind of refrigeration and the kind of ways of preserving pork. When that law was created, it was all about safety of consumption, but things have changed now. When are you going to realize that and eat this ham? And the rabbi looked at the Catholic priest and she said, oh my dear friend, my dear priest, I will eat ham when you serve it at your wedding. It's all about getting back to what matters. That place inside of us that cannot be blown away. That place inside of us that is strong enough for any storm. That place inside of us called home. And ultimately, that's what Paul was trying to say. Paul was trying to say you are the same community. And you live in the same house. And that house is a house you carry in your heart. You can go home. Paul was saying
1: inside of you there is a place called home it's not a house the home inside of you is the place where God resides it's a safe place a place filled with love in this home there is everything that you could ever need or want there is support and comfort peace and unconditional acceptance In this home, no one will judge you. No one will deny you. You will never be rejected or abandoned. In this home, your divine home, God is waiting to rock you to sleep. When you awake from dreams or nightmares of this world, God will still be there waiting for you.
0: That place of essence, that place that really matters, That place that is everything. A place we can go at any time, no matter how often we travel, no matter how many times we've moved throughout our lives, no matter how many times we've lost our home. There is that true home that cannot be lost. The question is, how do we go there? And how do we get there at any time?
2: At any time, any moment, you can go home. You don't need to pack or plan. You can get home if you don't have a dime to your name. You can move out of frightening or threatening situations. You can move away from difficult and unloving people and go home. When you get there, you can receive the answers, the insights, understandings and revelations that you need. You can build up strength, stamina, and courage to deal with your world and the people in it. When the world and your life become a bit too much to handle, simply go home. Here is how you get home. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes. See yourself as open and receptive. The moment you are in that place, open your mouth and say aloud, Loving God, I am coming home. The doors of God's loving comfort will fly open. Miraculously, you will be exactly where you need to be, home in the heart of God. Realize in this moment that there is a place in your heart called home. Practice going home to get what you need at any moment. You are invited to be devoted to finding your way back home again and again.
0: That home, a safe place, a deep place, a place of love. I invite us at this moment to go even further into that place. I invite you to take just a moment and place your hands over your heart. Feel the strength that you carry within yourself. If possible, try to feel your heartbeat. Feel that rhythm. Feel that life. If you can feel it, what is your heartbeat saying to you? Perhaps it's the voice of God saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. It is the heartbeat of home. A home that stands. A home that's strong. Courageous home. And now take just a moment to see home. Open your eyes and just look around this room. Look at the person next to you, around you. Notice the light in this room, the natural light, the light of hope, the candles. This is true illumination, illumination of the Spirit, grace that illumines our world. And now think of the people in your life who are home to you people in your life who are home to you that are perhaps not in this room physically, and begin to imagine those people in the spaces that are open in this place. Imagine the wings filling up with our beloved, all of those who are home to us, those who have gone before us, those who can't be here because they're in another location. Feel the love of all of those you love filling this place. What we have here is a place called home. A place that is more powerful than any hurricane or anything that would threaten us. Be home. Be safe. Be love. Amen.